There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kremitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Gregory, Paul, Peter, I always forget. Paul. Paul A. Kruminski. Yeah. And Colin. Colin J. Andrews. And that's it. And here we are. I guess this is our last episode of our mini-series of electric vehicles. Yes. And we've already covered quite a bit of this subject. Yeah. But it's been kind of our summer project. That's right. I guess as the world is burning, we decided to go and discuss electric vehicles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to go through some pros and cons today of both buying and leasing an electric vehicle yeah. and just sort of sum up this little mini series and move on to our next, our next topic. Right on. Hey, and listen, last week you were kind of fighting a cold. How are you feeling today? I'm still fighting a cold. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Carrying on for it's a while. hanging on for a long time. Okay. Yeah. I think it was actually somebody close to me that gave me that cold. I don't know who could be so insensitive as to as yeah. to do that. Yeah, it was you. I'm going to blame it on your kids. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Well, so you know, let's Yo, start let, let, off. Well, let's kick it off. And listen, the old buying or leasing, like not even for electric vehicles, but just leasing versus buying in general, has been a. We get that question quite a bit. You know, gee, should I buy? Should I lease? Should I finance? And in many cases, my answer always would come down to, well, kind of depends on the lease rate. Because if you're buying a vehicle while you're tying up the funds all at once, you're not paying any interest. And, you know, a few years ago when interest rates were near zero and you could lease for near zero or maybe two and a half percent or three percent or whatever the number might be, that seemed pretty attractive if you only looked at the financial side of it. These days, you know, I was looking at some vehicles and lease rates are between eight and 10%. So that throws a whole new wrench into the choice. But I think what we want to focus on today is maybe less about the actual cost of leasing from an interest rate standpoint and whether or not it makes sense when you're thinking of buying an electric vehicle, whether it makes sense to lease it or to buy it. Because you can have the same discussion about home ownership, really. Exactly. Right? I mean, like rent in Calgary right now, I know we have somebody on our team who recently purchased a small condo. Right. And she told me that she was looking at rent of, I think it was a one bedroom place. It was like 1600 a month. And it got her thinking about, well, buying. And why wouldn't you? Exactly. In, at that case, right? No, so, exactly. Yeah. But anyways, totally different subject, but kind of the same. Yeah, it definitely are the same, the same considerations. So, well, let's take a look at some of the pros and cons of buying an electric vehicle and of renting an electric vehicle. So, so first of all, let's talk about just buying a car outright, buying an electric vehicle. So when you buy a car, there's a few benefits or when you buy any car, there's several benefits to owning it directly, which means, as we talked about, no interest payments. But for electric vehicles, there's a few additional benefits. And the first is you get the full tax rebate or credit. Remember, we spoke last time about, you know, the federal government has this program where you can get up to $5,000 for a fully electric vehicle or a long-range plug-in hybrid. 
when you lease a vehicle, you may still get the federal government rebate, but only if it's on a 48-month or longer lease. So which means that many people will take a 24 or 36-month lease, and that rebate actually gets clawed back. And so if you want the full rebate, you need to lease for a longer term or buy it outright. Yeah. One thing you mentioned there, like one of the things about when you buy it, like there's no more interest payments or whatever. I mean, true and not true. Like there's the opportunity cost of if you took $50,000 out of your investments to buy a vehicle, you're not earning anything on that 50 grand anymore. That's right. right. And and so when one of those trade-offs is always, well, what do you expect to earn on the money if it's invested and what's the interest rate you'll pay on a loan to finance or lease? Not to mention the market these days, because for 50000 you probably get a 2015 Volkswagen Jetta. That's right. These days. Exactly. <laughs> kind of a joke, but not really. Exactly. Yeah. So another pro of buying an electric vehicle, same as it would be for a gas vehicle, is when you own the car, there's no limit on how many miles you can put on the car. So it may be a little bit harder to rack up the same kind of miles on an electric vehicle just because of the, you know, the charging issues. But you do have to worry about going over a lease's strict mileage limit because it sure gets expensive if you do exceed that limit. Some people like to customize their vehicles. And so if you own your vehicle outright, you can customize it as much as you want. Whereas lease vehicles have to be left in their original condition because you may just turn it back in at the end of the lease and the dealership or the, is it the lessor or the lessee? Lessor. Whoever whoever gave you the lease wants the car back so they can sell it. Although, you know, I've often thought about this when we're traveling and, you know, you pick up a rental car at the airport. Wouldn't it be funny to like take that rental car and like lower it and put a sport exhaust on it and tint the windows and put a big speaker stereo in it and then return it? And you'd claim that's the way it was when you rented it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so, you know, another benefit of buying it outright is you can take advantage of some of the buying incentives. Many electric vehicles don't necessarily have financing incentives, but some do. And you'll probably see that more and more as more electric vehicles come out. And so there often are incentives to be a cash buyer. When you buy your vehicle, you can change your mind. If you don't like it after a year or so, you can sell it and replace it. When you're on a on a lease, and I've leased many a car, you can certainly get out of the lease, but you have to buy it out. And at that point, you're basically, you may be worse off than, than you were a year earlier because, of, of course, you're having to pay all those interest costs all up front. Okay, owning an electric vehicle, as we mentioned last time, a lot of electric vehicles tend to have long warranties. And so they would typically extend longer than the warranty on a regular gas-powered vehicle. And you've got these long battery warranties that cover the batteries for at least eight years or, say, 100,000 miles, 160,000 kilometers. And so the concerns about, oh, I'm going to be driving the vehicle after the warranty is expired maybe aren't so great. And so owning the vehicle outright would be a great way to sort of take advantage of that fact. Hey, outside of in your 20s, maybe early 30s, when is the last time you owned a vehicle that had 160,000 kilometers on it? It's been a very long time. As you say, other than some of those old vehicles that I drove as a younger person, none of them. I remember when my son was born, we bought a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and it, and it was a used one, of course. And we were so excited because it only had 120,000 kilometers yeah. on it. Yeah. It, was, it was a steal. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? Yeah. And the last thing is, you know, if you buy your car or choose to finance it, which you still own it, you just owe the bank some money, but you can get your auto loans anywhere. 
So you can shop the marketplace for the best rate and you can get a pre-approved loan, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, when you're leasing a car, you have to negotiate with the dealer and you just don't have the same flexibility as when you buy a car or finance it elsewhere. So those are sort of the pros of actually just buying your electric vehicle outright. All right. Well, let me go through the cons of buying that same electric vehicle outright, because there are some pitfalls that can hurt the wallet at times. So the first would be batteries and their range will degrade. And this makes sense to anybody that's owned anything that requires batteries. Right. Yeah, right, right on. Yeah. It's like when it's brand new, you get lots of power out of it. When it's not so new, maybe the battery pack declines more quickly, right? So this obviously would reduce the distance you can drive in a vehicle. And how it degrades is based on many factors. It could be from charging it too often or some environmental conditions. I always find it funny when you buy something that's straight out of the box and it says, warning, charge overnight before first use. Mm -hmm. I guess it's to condition the battery or something. I never got that one. Like, like what does it matter? If it's brand new and you pull it out of the box and you want to use it, you can't use it until you charge overnight, even though there's a charge in the battery. Like, it's kind of a funny thing. But so when those electric vehicle batteries degrade, they can affect the value. And we talked about this in our last episode, because if you go to sell that vehicle and it has 160,000 kilometers on it, and you know the battery is probably toast or close to it, and batteries cost $15,000, it's going to be hard to get your money back for that, right? Absolutely. The electric vehicle's future value is uncertain. We're pretty new to this space. Tesla obviously leading the way, but before Tesla, wasn't it Honda that had some electric vehicles well, I'm talking like way back, yeah, like I think, 20 yeah. years ago yeah. or more. And they just disappeared. I don't know why, but the technology is advancing. I would think that the Teslas of today have different technology than of the Teslas from five years ago, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's kind of, as I mentioned in our last episode, it's like, do you really want to buy that Sony Betamax when VHS is exploding? I don't know. You know, isn't it kind of the same thing? So it is true though, that there are, updates and things like that that happen to technology. Like anybody that owns any Apple products, you get automatic updates and things like that. So perhaps some of the technology will stick around, but, but it is an issue that could come into play. And let's say you're outside of your warranty. What happens? Well, I guess you're on the hook for those expensive repair costs, just the same as if you owned a gas guzzling vehicle, right? Outside the warranty. I mean, it's all on you, which reminds me, Greg, I got to get my oil changed, but yeah, you should do that. Yeah. Anyways, we don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> but, but there's things like some of the components in the electric vehicles, like they all have these massive screens, these infotainment screens. Those can't be cheap to replace. You know, I mean, there's sophisticated systems there that if they go, they're going to require some money, right? That's well, one of the things you've been through this, having bought a new car recently. Is like, so you buy the car, And then everything's a done deal. And then they send you in to deal with the finance manager to take care of all the paperwork. And then they start hitting you with the, well, what about an extended warranty? You know, the electronic components of this vehicle are pretty technical. So like if that motherboard goes, that's going to be 5,000 bucks right there. And they try to scare you into getting more and different warranties just because of the cost of the electronics repairing those if anything were to go wrong. I think they play off your behavioral side. They create fear, which causes you to maybe purchase things you wouldn't normally purchase. 
It's like, do you remember Future Shop when they were yes. around? Yeah. I mean, what did they do? Every time you bought an electronic item, you brought it up to the till. First thing the clerk said is, did you want to purchase the extended warranty on that? I mean, some of the things is like, do I want to purchase the extended warranty on a calculator? Well, you know, the warranty could be as much as the calculator. Right? Well, and, and we know from our business and the things we've learned in the past with a lot of appliance dealers, they make all of their money on the warranties. The appliances themselves are, are like commodities. You can buy the same freezer or range, you know, at a dozen different stores. And the difference in profitability comes from their ability to sell extended warranties. And I know from dealing with some people that have owned car dealerships that a lot of the profitability of the owner of the car dealership comes from service. Yep, it's exactly. It's not necessarily the sale of those vehicles. That's right. Like, it'd be surprising to most people to know that if you went onto a lot and bought a brand new whatever, it might be like 500 bucks, right. you know? But the minute you start having to service that vehicle, especially outside the warranty, all of a sudden now those people are raking in the bucks. All right. Well, listen, you've convinced me that is definitely a con of owning the vehicle outright. I've noticed in the last two episodes, you're very pro and I'm very con. That goes back and forth from time to time. Yeah. I think it's my mood. I think it's because it got this damn cold. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let me just talk about the pros of leasing an electric car. Of course you go in there. And of course, because, you know, I'm a positive, upbeat, optimistic kind of guy. Hey, I'm a positive, upbeat kind of guy too. (laughs) Just not today. (laughs) But that's all right. Somebody's got to take the opposite side. And basically, the pros of leasing an electric car are really just the same as the cons of buying an electric car. So the number one, yeah, you're not locked into the aging technology, as you said. I mean, one of the best benefits of leasing an electric car is buying one, as opposed to buying one, is you can just, you walk away from it after the term of the lease, and you can replace it with a new vehicle, you know, or lease a new vehicle if you want, with, you know, maybe better range or faster charging or other features, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, if you buy the wrong electric vehicle today, you might not have a lot of equity left in by the time it comes to upgrade it or to move. And in that same vein, you also remain on the cutting edge of technology because every time the lease ends and you take your car back to the dealer and and get another one, you can look at an updated model and, you know, enjoy all the latest features. So that's good. There can be some radical differences just in one year of like a 2017 versus a 2018, whatever. Could have some huge differences, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Here I am quoting cars that are already six years old. Right. Don't you find it funny, though, that because of the supply chain issues we ran into that how, you know, you used to buy like, let's say it was October of 2017. If we step back in time, right? And you went to buy a new vehicle, you would purchase a 2018 vehicle. Well, I can tell you that in 2023, in February, I purchased a brand new vehicle that was a 2022. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Yeah, things definitely changed for a period of time there. I think they're getting a little bit back to normal. But I don't think we'll get back to, you know, back in 2017, you know, you could walk onto a dealership and there'd be hundreds and hundreds of cars on the lot. And you could basically pick out any car you wanted. It would have all the features that you were looking for. You know, nowadays, even still, you know, if you want a car with certain features, you might have to order it. You might have to build it in order to get exactly what you wanted. So I think think things like those massive inventories, we may not see those so much anymore. Actually, I would argue that they shouldn't have massive inventories. If you were a shareholder in a company and they had a lot of vehicles on lots, you would say that's not efficient, right? Yeah, exactly. So 
Anyway, you know, we talked about how well they, you know, there's issues around leasing where you may not get the tax credit if the lease term is for under 48 months. However, you can get immediate tax savings with some of these government tax credits and rebates if the leasing company figures that into the price of the vehicle for you. So it can work both ways, and and you just need to understand the situation when you go in to negotiate the lease. Certainly, by leasing, you're avoiding any potential battery and warranty issues because the terms of most leases typically are three to four years, and and that's easily within the expected range of the battery life and that kind of thing. You know, the other thing about leasing, of course, is what is leasing? I mean, leasing ultimately is just paying for the depreciation on the car while you're driving it, right? Because the lease is calculated based on what the expected residual value of the car is after you've driven it for four years. So if the residual value of the car actually happens to be lower than what was negotiated in the lease, well, it's no big deal. You turn in the car at the end of the lease and you walk away. You're not stuck with the loss of equity or the loss of value, you know, relative to what you had expected. And if the residual value of the car is higher, and again, this applies to any leased vehicle, but if it's higher than what was built into the lease pricing, then you can buy it out and take the extra profit yourself. So I think that was one of the benefits of of leasing. You've run into this yourself, haven't you? I have. Yeah. I have on a couple of occasions. I know certainly when my, my first Toyota Highlander I think I turned it in and, and I made a few thousand dollars on it, which which is a nice little treat. You don't expect that at the end of a lease, but the same with my wife's Mini Cooper. So so there you go. Or maybe you just paid more for it than you thought. That could up be. front. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it made right. it look like you got something back. <laughs> exactly. This is marketing. Yeah. And lastly is you can sometimes take advantage of loyalty deals. So if you return a leased vehicle, very often you might find that the dealership that you leased from might be willing to throw you some special offers on leasing another vehicle at the end of your first lease. So. Well, you're a preferred customer at that exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you've paid them a lot of interest over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, those are the pros of leasing. I'm going to go through some of the cons of leasing an electric car because there are some potential pitfalls in doing that. The first one is you may not actually get the tax credit advantage. Or at least the full amount as we talked, yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah. it really depends on the situation. I won't get into the, the nitty gritty of it because I think yeah. there's too many little loopholes there. But let's just say you got to be really careful as to what you're signing yourself up for, right? Yeah. That thing about the mileage cap, that's a big one to me, Greg. Yeah. I would never want to not take a trip because I'm worried that I would go over my allotted annual mileage on a right. leased vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Because it can be expensive. It could be 15 or even up to 50 cents a kilometer or mile when you're over that allotted amount. So you might find a great lease deal that you think is great. Maybe it only has 5,000 kilometers a year. That could be a big problem at the end, right? right? So you got to be really careful of that. The other thing, and I mentioned this earlier, you can't customize a leased car. Or you can, but then I think you have to take everything off and put it back to the way it was, right? So this wouldn't work for my son, who literally has a sport exhaust on his car. How do you take off a sport exhaust and put on the original? And why would you do that, right? But Or what would be the incentive of even customizing that vehicle, spending the money on There is no incentive to it, right? What you do with your car may be limited. So many leases have strict rules about how you can use that vehicle, Right. I mean, if you are a Uber or Lyft driver, you may or may not be able to use that vehicle if it's a leased vehicle. And I know Uber specifically, 
have some rules around the year and the shape of a vehicle, like the, not the shape, like not as in like yes. round versus rectangular, <laughs> but yeah, the condition <laughs> and whether or not they're going to allow you to drive for them. But then you've got some other interesting things there, but will your insurance company protect you if you are an Uber yeah. driver? That's a whole yes. gray area. Right. We could probably spend an episode on that, but. The condition on the return of the lease, remember I, at least, I think it was a Volkswagen or a, one of my, I think the Volkswagen once a Passat. And at the end of my lease, they sent somebody over to look at the car and to assess whether or not. And I remember them looking at scratches and things and it kind of ticked me off. You know, it's like, well, I drove the car for four years. It's not going to be an original condition. Nobody expects a four-year-old car to be in original condition. And yet I sensed they were setting me up to charge me for some of the odd scratches and things. Or they didn't. So I was worried in advance for no reason. But they do have that potential. You and know, now so you hate them. Because you I'm, made up the story. I'm never going never gonna <laughs> to lease from them again. <laughs> Even though they did nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the guy might have been like, oh, hey, there looks like hey, a great, great car. Yeah. Hey, yeah, you took really good care of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another downfall or con about leasing a vehicle is you oftentimes need really good credit. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I, I'm not worried about my own credit at this stage in my life, but I can tell you that as a younger guy in my 20s and 30s, my credit wasn't that great, right? Yeah. And, you know, probably wouldn't have qualified for that or maybe would have had to pay some a higher lease payment in order to qualify for it, right? And that lease contract is hard to get out of. I mean, what happens if you lease an expensive whatever vehicle and you lose your job, right? You can't sell the lease. I mean, I, I see these on auto traders sometimes where people are trying to get people to like assume their lease yeah. payments or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's obviously because of financial hardship, right? Right. But if yeah. you owned the vehicle, you could sell the vehicle. Sure you could. Right? Yeah. You might take a bit of a loss, but you could yeah. get out of it. Yeah. Right? So those are some of the cons of leasing. Right. When we look at overall, the question is really buying or leasing, that's a big decision. And at the, at the end, at the end, we'll take a poll between you and I to see if you were buying an electric vehicle today, what would you do? But before we do get to do that right now. Okay. Let's do that right now. What okay. the heck? Okay. Okay. How do you, how do you do it? If it was just a poll of two people. If I was getting an electric vehicle today, I would lease. And I would lease primarily based on what we talked about with regards to the changing technology and the ability to essentially swap out for a newer model or a new technology or models that aren't even available today that might be available three years from now. So I think I would probably take a a three-year lease. Hmm, That's what I would do. What about you? I would buy. Yep. Only because I cannot wrap my head around leasing. I guess it's the way I was raised. I've never leased a vehicle. We've bought vehicles and we've financed them to buy them. I mean, it's kind of like a lease, right? Like in that I've got monthly payments, right? But to me, I'm on the other side is that, okay, let's say it's three years from now and new technology comes out. Well, I want to sell that vehicle I have and not be locked into it and maybe get something out of it. Well, it just goes to show how there is no right answer. Well, no, the right, right? answer is buy. <laughs> I just told you, Greg. <laughs> no, no, I think I, I take that more as an opinion rather than a statement of fact. But no, it is. And as I say, so this may or may not be helpful to people listening. But I think you really do have to look at, and as you say, you've never leased a vehicle. I've leased many vehicles. And there's definitely a downside to that because it seems like you never get out from under making payments. On the other hand, if you go out and you spend $50,000 on a vehicle today, you know, and you drive it for four years and then you sell it for $25,000, then you still have to come up with 
another $25,000 in four years to buy the next vehicle. Yeah, so definitely it's individual choice. And I think the key thing is to really understand your own situation and, and your own thoughts about that kind of thing. The funny one around that to me, like that rent versus buy or finance versus buy outright is more around housing. You know, if you talk to an American, they're going to have a mortgage their entire life because there are actual incentives to carrying a mortgage, right? You get to write off the interest and, you know, everybody talks about refinancing to get some money out of their house. And there's no downside because you can lock in a term for 30 years. So anybody that locked in a term for 30 years when rates were two and a half or 3% a few years ago, they can stick with that. And the only reason why they might ever refinance it would be as if rates actually went lower than that. But nobody has to refinance higher, you know? So yeah, and certainly in, in the US, that's a big difference from the Canadian situation. I think you can also, when you buy a vehicle in the US, you can amortize it over a lot longer period. Awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, here we've got what typically what five year amortizations or maybe seven years at the most. But I remember talking to a guy down there who was talking about a 15 year loan on a vehicle. I guess that's just to keep the payments within a certain spread, right? Yep. Yep. Sorry, I'm going off topic here. Not at all. I blame the cold, which means I blame you. Well, okay. I appreciate that. (laughs) So listen. You know, we're talking primarily about buying or leasing an electric vehicle. And as we spoke about last time, you know, the choice of buying an electric vehicle, it may offer some cost advantages, particularly when you, and I think importantly, when you take into account any rebates or tax incentives that the government may provide, because we've agreed that electric vehicles compared to their gas powered counterparts are more expensive and not by a little bit, but they can be a very cost effective vehicle to drive because of the lower fuel costs and lower maintenance costs. And some people might just really love the fact that they're so quiet. I don't like the fact that they're quiet No, as a pedestrian. Oh, yeah, yeah. They kind of creep up on you sometimes, right? Yeah. Or if you're out on your bike or something and something kind of creeps up on you. There I am again going negative, Greg. Got to change this. Got to change this. It's not negative. I mean, just identifying potential pitfalls. Like I'll tell you, when my son comes home, Yep. With his sport exhaust on his car. I know yep. exactly when he comes home, yeah. as does every one of my neighbors. I'm sure they love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else to wrap this up? No, I think that covers it off. I mean, we've covered off what are electric vehicles and the different types of electric vehicles. We talked about costs of maintenance and ownership, total cost of ownership last time. Yeah. And should you buy or lease? The jury's out. We're 50-50 on that one. So the jury's not out. We should buy Anyways. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, all right. There you have it. It's uh, proof positive. (laughs) Okay. So that wraps up our mini series on electric vehicles. Maybe next time we'll talk about something to do with financial markets. Who knows? Well, we'll be getting back into September and, you know, what comes with September, the return to school, return to some normal activities outside of being at the lake or things like that. So I'm sure we'll talk about some of that stuff. Look forward to it. All right. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. 
The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kreminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc., 2023.